When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Mike, co-host of Realistic Sustainability, the podcast, which you probably already know, but I'm also the author of A Beginner's Guide to Greening Your Life. That was the book that led to our Facebook page, our Facebook group, and, well, even this show. It offers tips on promoting your positive footprint while decreasing your carbon footprint. So, if you want to read what started all of this, get A Beginner's Guide to Greening Your Life, available on Amazon, eBay, Etsy, or just visit greeningyourlife.org for more information. Thank you for joining the sustainable movement and promoting a greener future. Hi, and welcome back to Realistic Sustainability. I'm Mike, and I'm sure you're surprised to find out that I am here with Nick. I am. You are. We are. We're here. We're here. We are absolutely here. I've checked, and we are here. Oh, that's a weird twist of events. But we are. But we are. I think the difference is is that like with Zoom, I feel like I can touch you, but I can actually touch you now because we're in person. Yeah, it, I I like this in person stuff. It's weird. It's almost like getting to know people again. It is. It's it's awkward in the sense that I feel like I'm breaking the law right now because I haven't actually spent time with anyone other than maybe you outside of my home. Mm-hmm. In a while. So, super happy to be here. I'm stoked. And for a friend of mine who asked recently, when we record, yes, we wear pants. Um, okay. That's great they asked. A little alarmed. <laughs> that was with all the Zoom stuff, because I work online. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm never seeing people in person. And we do our shows online. He asked if I even owned pants anymore. Oh, well, there's an easier answer that you, that allows you to not answer by saying this. You hate consumers. You don't <laughs> want to pay the bills, so you're clothed. You're warm. <laughs> yeah, well, in the wintertime gets to be... It's time to do an energy evaluation again on my home, because oh. now that there's five people running around it and we're using an additional floor... It's climbing. Whew, so it's time to do another energy analysis and look for more places to insulate. Anyways, this week... We're getting into spring, and I want to talk about water collection. Okay. Well, primarily rainwater collection, but some people out there, I'm sure, are, are collecting other water. I've been trying to collect even the water that when I boil noodles, mm-hmm. I let that water cool because the starches are good for the house plants. Absolutely. So I wait for it to get down to room temp and then use that to feed house plants. Well, it's so essentially sugar. Yeah, and I'm trying to keep it from going down the drain, even though my city's going to charge me. Because they don't charge you for how much water leaves. They charge you for how much water came in. And then they double it for what left, assuming that we're letting it leave. Mm -hmm. If I can get to where the majority of the water is diverted somewhere else, I can actually make them put a separate meter in for for water going out and lower my bill. Yep, found that out just recently because it's illegal to assume. So, But I won't do that until I know I can reduce it. But anyways, what's one of my little water conservations in the home is if when you boil noodles or potatoes or anything like that, let the water cool. Once it's at room temperature, give it to some houseplants. They love it. But this week, I want to focus more on rainwater collection. Okay. Because there's, there's a lot of myths about it. There's 
people think that it's uh, something that's almost voodoo-like. You know, I live in mm-hmm. I live in the city of Durand. It is a small city, but I collect water because I use it in my gardens. The rainwater that comes in is better than the water from my hose when it comes to my garden because there is more minerals and things. In Absolutely. It. And my tank has life in it, so <laughs> it does. You'll. Sometimes it's mosquitoes, sometimes it's tadpoles, but there's life in there. Yes, there is. And it all creates a nutrient water for my plants. You have always talked about how good my plants are. See, there's the secret. Rainwater. Lots and lots of rainwater. Well, I'm sure that's part of the secret. I'm alarmed by the mosquitoes, but okay. (laughs) Just an organic material. Yeah, but when they transform, they're terrible. Yes. Well... We won't get into that because in our town we have a place to breed mosquitoes at the Taco Bell in that little water pond thing that we fought over in the past. But anyways, there's a lot of different ways to collect water. I use a small barrel. You know, mine is maybe, I think it's 80 to 100 gallon. It is not a massive one, but it is a rain barrel, not just a normal barrel. Mm -hmm. And, you know, copper spigot at the bottom. I have a net across the top so the water that comes off rooftops and things can go into there and the leaves don't go in. That is the, the smaller scale. I have actually seen some really cool ones online where the gutter goes into a planter and you get this transfer of water through the planter and what, whatever isn't used comes out the other side into the yard. So it goes in one side mm-hmm. and the water filters through the dirt. Mm-hmm. essentially, which is, it's full, which allows the roots to pull stuff up, also keeps the dirt nice and moist. The plants will never die of being dehydrated. And I think you got to worry about the first few with root rot, but maybe maybe some stone in there to help the water push mm. through. But, yeah. All right. And then so as it gets to the other end, whatever's left just kind of goes. So that's a really good idea. Also a great way to filter water if you were to use stone. Um, I never considered that, actually. We have a that big tank. I bought like a 250 or 280 mm-hmm. gallon liquid tank that eventually when we this spring we want to set up for a like a system like that but instead for plants it's going to be to water our chickens right yeah and that's actually what you have is like the the smaller medium size you see those quite often on houses too mm-hmm. where they collect the water with the spigot at the bottom I, of course, raise mine up to kind of quote-unquote gravity feed so that if I want to put a hose on it, it will run. Because mm-hmm. the higher you lift it, the more pressure you get. Yeah, of course. There's also big, large tanks that are like the size of an above-ground swimming pool. That's what I saw in Hawaii. Because not everywhere in Hawaii has, has water and electricity. Matter of fact, I think more places than not don't. Well, that makes sense. Hawaii's an island surrounded by salt water. Yeah, you're not going to dig into the ground and just get yeah, I, a fresh water stream. I don't, I don't imagine you'd be able to get a well for fresh water, so it would make sense to have huge collection tanks mm-hmm. because raining has to be the best way to get natural fresh water. Yeah, and the rest is brought in or, or and or uh, desalinized on Ooh, the that's island. That's a lot of process. That's a lot of energy. So these huge tanks that they have is your water. That, so people in Hawaii have to monitor their water mm-hmm. uh, intake a heck of a lot more than we do here in Michigan. There's also underground units, large underground units, like the one I designed at U of M. Because for me, I was I was really obsessed with why we use fresh potable water for everything in the United States. That when I use the restroom, I am ruining fresh potable water that we've induced a whole bunch of energy mm-hmm. into cleaning 
and then I use it in the restroom. It's actually a very valid point. It, it is. It drives. It, I don't understand. Like you don't necessarily have to have 100% purified water to do laundry. You don't need 100% purified water coming out of the out of the spigot on the outside of the house. We don't need it. Matter of fact, your sink should be set up like my sink, where I have my normal dishwashing side. Yeah. And then I have a drinking fountain. Remember, I have that uh, yeah. reverse osmosis. That is should be one of the few places where potable water should have to go. The rest could be filtered rainwater. Yeah, and I completely agree. And I look at like restrooms, like how much water, think about how much water you have to waste on a toilet to flush it. Even the low flow ones, that's a lot of water. It will tell you on them how many yeah. gallons they're going to use. <laughs> Even when you go into like a business or something and they have those uh, those urinals, that's probably three quarters of a gallon to a gallon or not more water to f- that flushes your little bit of pee down. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of waste to process waste. Yeah, and it's and it doesn't matter if you get a commercial system or you just have a barrel. That water can be used for a lot of different things. Most mm-hmm. of us have landscaping. You know, we have trees. We have things outside that can be watered. The dog would love it. You know, we we give them out of the other out of the hose anyways. Yeah. If you have a rooftop of just a thousand square feet, mm-hmm. on a ten inch rain, a single ten inch rain, you can get six thousand gallons of water. Wow. It's just a matter of collecting it from these other places. Because honestly, when it comes to a town, there's a whole section in my book about the failures of water and not keeping it on your property. Mm-hmm. Because here we are in suburbia where people are having companies come out and spray their lawn to make mm-hmm. it especially green and get rid of all the, the wildlife that might live in it. And then it rains the next day. All that extra water... Because our yard is designed to be sloped. Yeah. I have a hill in my yard. It runs it right down to the street. Where the drain is. Where the drain is. So here's what happens. Just This is a side note that we're going to go ahead. We're just going to run with. That water comes down off the roofs of the house. It comes down the gutters, through the downspouts, and then out into my yard. Washes. I don't spray my yard. Yeah. For those who do, it washes most of that away. The nutrients that weren't already grabbed... Start to wash down to the road. I don't want to get too far into taking the nature out of nature, which is how I deem pesticides and sprays. Mm-hmm. Because you can't have a lush yard and beautiful plants and things to eat without bees and pests, if you will. Air quotes. Plus, it's a waste of money for that exact reason. Actually, I, the example I give you in the book mm-hmm. is an, it is the it is a negative feedback loop of wasted money. I pay to spray my yard. Mm-hmm. It rains. It washes it to the street. So we have this special spot in the street that is curved so mm-hmm. water can travel down it. Is, is there anything else that's ever in that other than water? Leaves, There's dirt. Leaves, dirt, oil, coolant from yeah. vehicles, any other, anything, all the chemicals that washed out of your yard. So then that all of those things start washing in and go down the drain. Which then goes to your sewer system, which your water treatment plan, which where you pay to have water service so they can treat it. Most of it. Sometimes in that rain, there was too much rain. Mm-hmm. It was a heavy rain, which means we got almost all the chemicals off. Yeah. And it runs it down there. In most towns, you have a split sewer system. Okay. So what you'll have is your drainage and your sewer are one. Mm-hmm. And when it's too high, and the water's too high, it takes part of it and pushes it to a separate route so a lot of it is still going to your treatment plant okay the rest go to a stream or a river or a lake nearby 
That seems counterproductive. It is an overflow safety. Okay. That will take all those things that we just washed away Mm -hmm. and put them in a pond or a lake. I am not a huge proprietor of knowledge when it comes to this kind of stuff. I know that there are certain types of uh, drainage ponds and like seepage beds that you can you can have designed in ways that are meant for things like that. But when you stopped me or kind of struck me are streams and rivers. It's one thing to, to dig a pond out in the line underneath where it, it's this enclosed system. It's still not good, but the water's enclosed. It goes in one space. Right. If wildlife comes... If ducks come, if birds come, and, and fish end up in there, that happens. But that's something you've created. Streams and rivers are there, by in most cases, by nature. And when you, you put that stuff into a stream, you are influencing the the health and wellness of the ecosystem as far as it's going to travel, where it's still potent, potent enough to affect things. That could be 10 miles. It could be 100 miles. If it's concentrated enough, it could be a long, long way. It's frustrating. Let's take what you just said before I finish that process. Yeah, if it makes it to a river. Those rivers usually end in one of our Great Lakes. Yeah. Those 10, we have different release routes. All water tends to end up either in the water cycle mm-hmm. or the ocean, one way or another. So do those chemicals. But especially in this area, because we have a lot of lakes around here, mm-hmm. which are places where people swim. Lake Fenton is a real big, everybody comes and parties and hangs out. Especially in places like that, higher income areas, more people spray their yards. More of it washes off and it ends up in your lake. You ever see like out of nowhere, just a huge area of algae bloom? How about we take all the stuff we sprayed in our lawn to help it grow Mm -hmm. and wash it into the lake? Well, what you're going to (laughs) see, and you can look at this anytime you want to go there. If you go to Seven Lakes, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, Lake Fenton, isn't it? That's part of Seven Lakes. So as you're driving through there, there's a spot where there's a bridge you drive over. And on one side, it's one area and one side's the other. But essentially, what that, that area serves as, that bridge has got one tube. And the tube never connects the two unless they get high enough. So all the chemicals and everything in that water seems to collect right there. So you talk about an algae bloom. Mm-hmm. It is a menagerie of colors and textures. <laughs> You'll have a, a huge amount of, of algae in the water. You'll have different kinds of fungus on top of the water. And then random colored chemicals, you don't even know what they are. And it's specifically in that one spot. So I assume there's some kind of drainage thing near there. Because mm-hmm. it's disgusting. And you also will see zero fish there at all. If you fish out, then you're not going to get a nibble. Well, and the funny part is, is that, so you paid for all this stuff to make your grass green. And I promise we'll get back to rainwater collection mm-hmm. in a minute. But you paid all that money to make your grass green. And then your neighborhood group comes together and says our our lake our beautiful lake that we love to swim with is filled with algae and all the beautiful fish are dying and all we have are the bottom feeders we need to pay a company to come out and figure out the chemistry of our lake and then pay to have other chemicals put in to counteract these chemicals instead of stop spraying your yard or keep your water on your land yeah, so now what you have is when people try to take the nature out of nature, now they have to take the nature out of the chemicals, out of the nature, out of the nature. <laughs> so the reason why I've told the lengthy story is so I can say, keep your water on your property. A lot of people, no, I got to have ditches so I, I, I don't have floods. Well, if you have floods, you either have 
no access for that water to get down. Like our, like my old house a long time ago in Flushing, oh, we were yeah. built on clay. Mm-hmm. The solution would have been to actually have someone come out and drill a hundred foot hole yeah. and fill it full of stone. Essentially, give you a give you a drain is what it, what straight it is. down. In, so that water would all filter straight down into that aquifer, mm-hmm. and I would have never had a problem twice. Instead, I fought it for ten years. Uh, it was fun. It, it was, was fun. not. Keep your water on your property. If you've got pooling, you need better soil. You need at least a foot of healthy soil. And you can do that through conditioning your soil, even with the things you have. Even your yard, your, your vegetable waste and all these things can really help your soil. Absolutely. Or collect a lot of it and use it. You'd be, am- you'd be amazed how much water that one barrel of mine will feed my garden year-round. I don't... Re- matter of fact, at the end of the year, I have to let some out. And I have one... I think it's a hundred hundred gallon bucket, basically, mm-hmm. with a spigot on the bottom. I fill up my little container. I walk around and get all my flowers or all my plants for my garden all year long. If I ran the hose, they would be charging me for that. So it doesn't matter if I'm walking around the house to the front to the trees and to the front flowers as I'm trying to get them to grow, dumping large amounts of water on it. It all seeps into the ground because I've got good soil, mm-hmm. or I've got my raised beds. None of that makes it back into the water treatment plant. And that is that is water control that we really need to design into housing. The water, we don't want to build a way so it can wash out. We want to keep it on the property and send it down. Well, yeah, you just utilize this stuff in any way that it can be utilized. And that way it minimizes your actual waste. I don't think that, and I, maybe I'm being biased on this, but like like my house is an old house and we, we just put in a, a hot water heater. Mm-hmm. Um, during the last holiday season. And we opted for a, a unit that was 10 gallons bigger than the one we had previously because we'd run on the hot water and my wife showers in lava. So <laughs> we waste a lot of water. We did. I, I, we we do. We do waste a lot of water. Getting that water to the right temperature or, I mean, because you got to figure, so you turn the water on and take a shower. Well, the water in your hot water pipe has been in there since the last time it was turned off. So guaranteed it's cold. Mm-hmm. So you got to clear 50, 60 foot of pipe out before you get to that nice fresh hot water. That's wasted. Just goes down the drain. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. To go re- to be reconditioned. Yeah. So you could save that water. You could. I don't know how you would go about collecting something like that unless you're conscientious enough to take a, a jug into your bathroom and, and A bucket. It. Yeah, I don't know how that would work. I just think that there's a lot of areas where it's wasted. So different than when you fill your dish sink. Well, you run the water until it gets hot, then you plug your sink and fill it up. Well, and I know in my bathroom that the sink and the shower are hooked to the same water yeah. pipes. So before I shower, I brush my teeth. There you go. That gets most of the you know, the warm water moving. And then by the time I turn the shower on, it's pretty much warm. Okay, well, that makes sense. There's just little things like that. But using the water that you collect from outside is... A better water for your mm-hmm. plants. It's a better water for the things you would use it for. I sometimes bring it in the house and give it to the house plants, mm-hmm. you know, to help strengthen them. Because a lot of my house plants, because I don't get good light in the house, I strengthen all summer so they can weaken all winter. Although Jamie got me grow lights and we're looking good this year. It is a free water source, especially for people in the city. It will reduce your bill because you're not using water. It is... A great way to control your overall water supply. Yeah. To reduce runoff. It's better for the plants. It's better for your bills. There's not a lot of reasons not to. Having control of your own water is a good thing. 
at U of M, I said I, I I worked on a system with the big tank underground. What what we did is we designed a house where all of the all of the runs from the roof, all the gutters mm-hmm. and downspouts, led to a point in the ground where it filled a much larger water drum. Okay, you know this is a a, th- a thousand plus gallons. Oh, for sure. And what we what I did was I had to assume good and bad. So the whole house was plumbed with this water. Okay. And there was two parts. There was the shower, because people still threw a fit when I said they couldn't use the potable water for the shower, because it could get in their mouth, but yet, the water in that tank was running through a filter. Solar pump to pump the water. And a, what's called a Raspberry Pi, a computer board, so that if the water dropped below 10%, it would take potable water from the city and fill it to 20%. So just in case you were in a drought environment... There was always water in the tank. We designed this whole thing. Toilets, washing your clothes, all of the sinks. It all went through a filter system. So you had no, there weren't leaves coming out or anything. Of it course. didn't look like bad water. And matter of fact, it would look like clean water because it's running through the filters. And that was everything in the house. Then we took one sink and it's out, ran under the front of the house where the garden beds were. Okay. So when you ran the sink and you were done brushing your teeth as it ran through its process, that Mm -hmm. water would dilute everything. And by the time it got out there, it was just a little bit of water. Okay. And the plants could absorb what it wanted, let the rest go away. Most Uh of the time, you're just running water. You're washing your hands, this or that. You do have to watch out that whatever soaps you're using in that case are organic soaps that won't harm the plants. Most of the time, you're running so much water, because that's what we do here, that it's so diluted. It's never noticed. But we use rainwater collection for 95% of the house need. And that was our design that we had for the Flint House. Unfortunately, by the time I had the design done, their construction had already started. We did not get to put the tank in and actually build this one. When I was in Mexico, in Mexico, in Mexico City, they take so much water from the ground, the city is physically sinking. It has dropped 18 inches. That's insane. It is continuously sinking down as they pull the water up. And it is still not something you see every day to have water collected when it rains. In Mexico, you have a tank on your roof. Mm -hmm. And a guy with a truck drives by and you pay to have it filled. I didn't see it when I was in Mexico. But there is a lot of freedom in capturing your own water. And it's not illegal. And I mean that universally in the United States. I know I've seen Facebook, you know, person in Florida arrested. It is not illegal to capture rainwater in any state in the United States. I double-checked before we did this show. There are 13 states that have restrictions. Okay. Colorado being the most extreme because for good, and that I do see. Colorado feeds water to numerous states. Absolutely. Including California. And there is water fights already. States fighting over who gets the right to that water. So I do understand the source of that water not wanting to restrict it or not wanting people to take it so it never makes it to the Colorado River. Okay, that makes sense, though. I mean, because if it serves so many purposes, then it needs to be allocated for its intended use. It is the main the main water, freshwater source for numerous states on its way to the Pacific. So, like I had saw recently something about a person in florida getting arrested for capturing water no what they were doing was 
building systems beyond the code. What okay. they what they were doing were breaking specific rules mm-hmm. and then getting to a part in a small town where someone fights back. It is not illegal to capture water. It is not illegal to use that water. And it doesn't matter which state you're in. I think when it comes to capturing rainwater, I think that there's a, a stigma of misunderstanding. And I think when people stop and think about it, it doesn't make sense. But when you say capturing rainwater... And people will look at you kind of cross-eyed, like, can you drink it? Like, is it safe? Um, it is. And I say that, the same people that say that are eating snow, okay? So that's, that's my first commonsensical, like, you know, oh, well, that's just frozen water. The other part is, is that this is, I heard it from a chef that explained it like this, and it was the simplest thing I've ever heard in my life. It doesn't kill my grass. It's not going to hurt me. It doesn't kill my grass. Grass isn't exactly hardy. It's not going to hurt me. And I went, well, that makes sense. I mean, for the most part, if it's not going to kill a simple plant, I'll be okay. Well, there is some, like, as years have gone on, we do have periods of time and places where acid rain or where it's pulling things from the sky. Please, right now, understand that I know that. But most contamination comes from whatever the bucket is. You're right. Worst case scenarios happen, but a worst case scenario is not a mean average across the board. If if all of a sudden the power went out and I had no access to water for one reason or another, mm-hmm. in my city we have gravity fed, we still have water. But yeah. if for some reason that stopped, I would have 100 gallons that all I would have to do is run it through some charcoal and sand. Yeah. To be as clean as could be. Uh, or I would just run it through my reverse osmosis or whatever else. I can just filter it, gravity filled it through. Yeah. On top of, you know, I think survival kits, they always say you've got several gallons in the back of your toilet. You've got you've got you water do. here, you've got water there. But that water sitting outside, even as I take it, mm-hmm. it'll rain again. Yep. And I'll have more. It is a great addition to a home, especially to someone who grows things in their yard. Now, I'm not a huge fan of the lush green lawn. I call it the yard trap. That's for some reason we've decided to import our fresh green look, and then fight like hell to make it look like grass our whole lives. And then we do everything in our power to make it grow, and then when it does, we cut it. Where in Michigan, there's native species. We could, it doesn't look the same, but we could just use native species. It would grow to a certain height. It would stay there all dang year. At the end of the year, it would fall back down. The snow would sit on it, and in the spring, it would sprout back up because it lived here. Yeah. It's native. Kentucky bluegrass, if you can't tell by the name, didn't come from Michigan. And it is not prepared to get hit with snow. <laughs> it Are is... you telling me that Kentucky bluegrass came from Kentucky where <laughs> there is not a lot of snow? It, it, it's not. It Over time, it will adapt to climate. But it's not hardy by nature. It's not. It's not. And we got to feed it and water it and feed it and water it so that our little green place looks as good as the neighbor's little green place. And I don't agree. I'm not a fan, and I don't do it with mine. <laughs> I have never been, and just to admit this is to my neighbor's dismay, I have never been the biggest advocate for conscientious lawn maintenance. I'm not saying I never cut my lawn or anything, but it is something that I've never quite understood. I'm not saying I my yard look like a hayfield because I don't. But I don't care that my lawn isn't super lush and green and, and very thick. And I don't for a lot of reasons. The main reason is when you when you run a lawnmower, you're chopping it all down. It's 
destroying plants, which create oxygen, but also you're, you're killing tons of like animals and, and, and things. Like it does happen. It's just mm-hmm. terrible. Insects, frogs, snakes, like you, you can't see them, but they're there. But also it serves no purpose other than to, I mean, to make it look better. It's just, it's just, just, you know, being meticulous to manicure your yard for, for a popularity contest that doesn't exist. Like it doesn't <laughs> have a reason. It's the same paying money to make your yard look so that it can, it can run down and get in the river where you can actually pay money to fix that too. You're, the yard trap is ridiculous. Going out there and buying all these things to mm-hmm. put on your yard, it's your yard. If you leave it alone, it will manage itself. I get a bunch of dandelions bunch of dandelions yeah that's the first source of food most bees get well and most people will go oh that i'm sorry why not me i wait for those bad boys to seed and i have a sign in my front yard don't mind the weeds i'm feeding the bees that jameson made for me yeah and i put it right out front so they know this is on purpose Mm -hmm. this isn't laziness this is on purpose because this has a reason. When I cut it down, it loses the reason. Uh, matter of fact, it just becomes this futile attempt for for it to be healthy and me to damage it. Yeah. So water is not illegal to capture. Matter of fact, I told you there's uh, 13 states with restrictions. There's 20 states that encourage you. We live in a state that encourages people to capture water. Okay, well, that makes sense, though. I mean, there's... So Michigan... Surrounded by Great Lakes, yes. The biggest supply of natural, fresh, clean water, yes. With an oil pipeline, or a natural gas pipeline in it. Yeah, well, there's that too. <laughs> but there's also a ton of farmland here. There's also a lot of people that garden. There's also a lot of people that don't have lakeside access. Yes, mm-hmm. a lot of us in the country have wells. But I'm here to tell you, you don't want to use your well to water your garden. You'll you'll run that thing dry before you know it. Why not collect your rainwater? Like, yeah. what? You don't have a reason not to, other than the laziness or maybe the lack of knowledge. Or maybe you're interested in something, it piques your interest, but you don't know how. Yeah, Facebook sometimes screws us up by telling us something that isn't real, that we take serious. And I say sometimes, by most of the time. Well, what, what it does is, is something will happen. You already mentioned something. A guy will be doing something, a lady, a person will be, be collecting rainwater, and they might be doing three or four things in excess to collecting rainwater that are illegal, even though the collection of the rainwater is perfectly fine, what they're doing with it may not be. So they'll get in trouble. What is the first thing you see? Man arrested for collecting rainwater. Right. Well, that's not why he was arrested. That's kind of like, it's clickbait. It's all it is. They want they want the attention. They want that that uh, that information to spread so they get, they can run ad revenue. But it's not true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it, now I will tell you, there are cities who try to make it illegal. They have found where they do try because they say it takes revenue away from the, the, the city waterworks. Oh, darn. Well, if they don't have that revenue, they can't run the city, And which, by the way, all of that is false. And if you hear things like that, join a city council. Join a planning commission. Be a voice in a place that doesn't have those kinds of voices. That's what I've done. So I sit in a room, and sometimes, most of the time, the people here are pretty darn cool. They do a, a heck of a job. Every once in a while, I get something out of left field, Mm -hmm. and that's when I'm supposed to be here. That makes sense, though, because a lot of times, all it takes is a bad idea that is from a lack of education to kind of throw a monkey wrench in things. So when you talk about, like, the cities that takes away from their income, blah, 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 if you live in a city, you pay taxes, you know, because you live in a city Mm -hmm. or for whatever reason, but that's where your taxes are supposed to go, like, to that kind of, those kinds of programs and infrastructure. 
What? Those services. Yeah, the maintenance on that. And on top of that, you're already paying a bill. If you live in, you have city water and sewage, you pay a bill either monthly or quarterly. Mm-hmm. And so, that's what they're trying to make sure that you're still using. That What happens is, is these they run them like a company. Yep. So they get used to a certain level of revenue. Mm-hmm. Then you get some jerk like me telling people collect their own water, and that, and that bill drops 20%. But that bill drops 20% over 50 people at the beginning. Than a thousand people because we're spreading our positive footprint and everybody's showing each other how to do it. Then they start to panic. I have a budget. I expect this much revenue. That's the failure of the city. And we have to be around those policymakers to express to them that when that revenue starts to drop, this is a trend and will continue. You have to start adjusting. It can't just be make a law to force you to get it. Yeah, no, that policy should not be put in place to enforce revenue. The, these, well, yeah, revenue. I mean, <laughs> policy shouldn't be made for for greed. But uh, what I'm saying is, you can't elect someone's requirement to use a service without first having other options. It's one thing. It's one thing to say, hey. Like, look at the internet when the internet first came out. It was super expensive. Now you have 25 different ways to get on it. But no one forces you to do it. And obviously, the internet is not something needed to live. Water is vastly more important. You need water. It makes sense you'd have to pay for it if you don't have access to it. But if you have access to it, then no one should be able to control that in that regard. If you're just using it to, you know, to feed and water your plants and to bathe, to do dishes, general, you know, grooming routines, which... Mm-hmm. For some people are much more extensive than my seven minute cold shower. They shouldn't be able to force policy on that. And also, and I'm going to say this and I'm going to go on a rant for another five seconds. If something is built into the infrastructure as a service to maintain the function of the city and keep the population safe, it is not a business. It is not built and designed to turn a profit. It is there to allow you to safely live in a city with potable water. Mm-hmm. The invention of indoor plumbing in terms of sanitation was one of the greatest breakthroughs in history. There's so many things that came from that that facilitate growth in a community. That's not a, a moment for you to go, oh man, we can earn 25% more on this. We're, these suckers are never going to realize it. I don't think so. It's water. You need that to live. Mm-hmm. Well, and I understand in some sense where you charge because those who use more versus those who use less, you want to make sure, especially with conservation, yeah, you want them to use less, but that's not what they're doing. They want you to use more so they can collect the revenue. So don't fall into that trap. If you hear that in your city, go speak. Absolutely. Google it, get some information, contact us, whatever you got to do, and go speak because they need to hear that people want water protected. So that is what we have this week. What I would like to see is if you get an opportunity, if you collect your own water, show us. Put it on the Greening Your Life webpage or send it to the Facebook page. I think I'd like to see it. Mine's pretty basic. Not too exciting. But even if you just have any possible way of collection, throw a picture up. I'd love to see it. Yeah, and I'm going to further that. If you guys have any idea possibly how I can design a rainwater collection system for a, a large tank to feed livestock, Please send me a link, comment, show me how. You know, Mike's designed something that we're going to try to put into effect this year, but you might have thought something we haven't of. So I would like to see what people really use for their, you know, their livestock, their chickens, their plants. Mm-hmm. I want to know what other systems are out there because I want to make the best use of what we have. Because I could tell you if that tank fills, those 10, 15 chickens are not going to drink 
200 gallons of water. I'm going to have water <laughs> left to spare. I need something to do with it. Right, right, absolutely. Maybe a secondary spigot for using it to hook another hose to to get some of the garden stuff handled. Absolutely. So, hey, send us your designs. Send us your pictures. I love seeing it. So does Nick. And Nick kind of needs this one. So, please. We appreciate you listening. And also, since I'm throwing favors out there, if you haven't already left a review on iTunes or any of the other podcast platforms, please do. It helps us tremendously. It is great that we have some sponsors coming into the website and actually donating some money. That is that is a big deal. But it's those it's those reviews that really help us. So I appreciate for all of you who've already done that. That's all we've got for this week. I'm Mike. And I'm Nick. And we'll see you next week. Feeling overwhelmed by climate change? Looking for sustainable and ethical brands to support? That Ethic is perfect for you. Ethic is a simple browser extension that helps you find sustainable and ethical brands online. Learn more at ethic.org, E-T-H-Y-K.org.